Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Mark, chapter number five. The Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter number five. If you're with us for the first time, we are in a series this month called The Tortoise Versus the Hare. You've probably heard about uh, this story and this parable. In a nutshell, uh, a turtle raced a rabbit. Uh, The rabbit should have won the race. He took off first, he took off faster, he took off harder. But he got so far ahead of the turtle that he decided to take a break. This guy's never going to catch me. I'm going to sit down, cross my legs, take a nap, check my Facebook, update my Twitter and Instagram. He's never going to catch me. But the turtle was consistent without speeding up because it couldn't. Just kept on walking. It kept on being consistent. By the time the, the hare woke up, the rabbit woke up, and found out where the turtle was, he tried to put on his afterburners, but by that time, it didn't matter. The turtle won the race. Moral of the story is that consistency will beat speed anytime. There is a pace that is sustainable for us in our lives, our ministries, uh, whether we are in marketplace ministry or whether we are in ministry in the house of God, that is sustainable, and it was set by God himself. Last week, the title of the message was God Walks. This week, the title of the message is Jesus Walks. So all of my nerves, just write that down. The title of the message is Jesus Walks. It's the only reason why a Kanye reference would get into our service. It's the most spiritual thing he's ever done in his life. Okay, so I want to read you. I want to read you Mark chapter number five, and I want to give you then the revelation that the Holy Spirit gave me, uh, which has really set the order of our church and our staff for how we are going to do ministry. This is the very best passage of scripture, I believe, that's in the Bible with Jesus's life that talks about his pace. So at the 21st verse, it it says this, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him. And all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. 
While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw such commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and said, why all the commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying, holding her hand. He said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat because he's nice like that. Jesus walks. What is amazing to me about the life of Jesus is the pace that he set for his ministry and all the things that he was able to accomplish along the way. God gave me the revelation of walking, and it is a cultural value of this church. Not only for the staff, but it is to be the DNA of everyone that becomes a resident of our community that you embrace the culture of walking. Here's the revelation the Holy Spirit gave to me about Jesus' life. He said, Tim, did you know that Jesus was able to fulfill every earthly, every uh, uh, Old Testament prophecy ever spoken about him during his earthly ministry without ever having to run to his next appointment? That Jesus was able to take every major Old Testament prophecy and every minor Old Testament prophecy, anything that had alluded to something that Jesus would do in his lifetime, he had a pace that was sustainable. Jesus was not talking with a group of people, teaching uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and then going, oh my goodness, I forgot about the woman at the well. I got to go. Peter, you finish. I have to leave. Hey, my, my, my servant Lazarus is sick, but I'm supposed to have dinner at a guy named Zacchaeus' house. I got to go. Without a day planner, without a calendar to fill, Jesus, this incredible man, was able to check off everything that was ever spoken about him at a pace that was sustainable. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but if you're going to walk with people, you're going to have to walk at a pace that is sustainable. You can go faster alone than you can with people. But since you were created to be in community, you need to slow down. Now, I travel a lot. I don't know about you, but when I get ready to travel, I travel at a different pace alone than I do with my family. I get to travel a lot, and so uh, when I travel alone, I can breeze through TSA PreCheck. 
I can breeze into uh, the pre-boarding lane because I'm always at Platinum Pro or Executive Platinum or whatever the airline uh, little status is. I can get on first with first class, even if I'm not in first class. I can get off first. I can go through global entry when I come back into the country because when I'm by myself, I can just move. When I go with my family, it slows down considerably. It slows down painfully. They don't have the miles that I have. They don't have the status that I have. They don't have the pre-checks that I have. And so whenever I'm with my wife and my children, I have to mentally tell myself, slow down. It will be rude of you to kiss them on the cheek and say, I will meet you on the other side. If you travel alone, you can go at a pace that you like. But if you're going to travel in community, you have to go at a pace that allows everyone else to keep up. Can you imagine if Jesus's earthly ministry was so hectic that when he got ready to get his disciples on the seashore, he said, hey, man, put down those nets and follow me. Come on. I got got somewhere to go. Let's go. I'm Jesus. I got a, I got a ministry, and, and, and I'm a mover and a shaker. I got a lot of people to heal. Got a lot of blind eyes to open. Look, oh, I'm late for one now. We have to go. <laughs> I, I, I want to train you to be a disciple. You can't train people running. You have to do that walking. Jesus is our Savior, which means he's a rescuer. He's a Deliverer, he is, he is our Lord, he is, he is our King, but there's another word ascribed to Jesus that we don't use a lot, and that is he's our apostle. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter number three, verse number one. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus. Hear this, think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger. That word in the Greek is apostolos, God's apostle and high priest. Apostle simply means one who was sent. Think carefully about this person. I know that you have received him as savior. I know that you have have submitted to him as Lord. I know that you revere him as king. But remember, he is also our chief apostle. Think carefully about this Jesus. Think carefully about the fact that the pace that he set for us as his disciples was one that is supposed to be sustainable. That one that leaves us frantic, frazzled, and frustrated. It's amazing to me how many people in the name of the Lord use God's name as, as an excuse to be too busy for people. I'm too busy for people. I'm doing the work of the Lord, which is probably for people. I'm trying to figure out how you don't have time for people when the whole ministry of Jesus is the people. I'm just not a people person. I'm a mover and a shaker. I'm trying to figure out how a savior who died for people could save you and you don't like people because you're a people. 
And he had time for you. The narrative in our story is absolutely amazing. It's my favorite one to talk about as it relates to Jesus's pace. Because in Mark chapter number five, we see Jesus getting off of a boat. And a very prominent man who had influence in the community, he was a leader in his synagogue, a guy named Jairus, runs up to Jesus, panic-stricken. His daughter's sick, but she's not just sick. She's at the point that it looks like death is imminent. Jairus runs up to Jesus and he goes, will you please come to my house? My daughter is sick. She's dying. Would you please come? I've heard all about you. I don't have time for the formalities. Would you please come to my house? Because my daughter is sick and she's dying. Will you please come? And Jesus goes, okay. And he starts walking to the house. Now, now I don't know about you, but, but if, if somebody runs up to you and says, my child is dying, we tend to match people's level of anxiety by, by you know, it, it, it brings up it, just a shot of adrenaline hits you. Help! My daughter's in trouble! Ah! And we all, right? Timmy slammed his finger in the door! Ah! Right? The two-year-old jumped in the pool! Ah! Right, there, there's it. There. Could you, Jesus, my daughter is sick. Will you come? Yeah. Anybody ever prayed a prayer like this? Hurry up, Jesus. Are you serious right now? Like, bro, I need you to kind of speed things up. I went into my war room and I prayed hard, like in the movie. How come you haven't shown up yet? Jesus is like, I'm coming. I told you I was coming. And he starts off on this pace. I can't imagine Jairus like in front of him like, Will you please? And he's just like, this crowd is around him. And as he's walking, this woman who's been bleeding for the same amount of time that Jairus' daughter has been living starts coming up behind him. And because Jesus' pace is set at such a grace, this woman who's been bleeding has enough time to catch up to him and touch the hem of his garment. Now, I grew up in charismatic Pentecostal churches. And this story has been exaggerated so much. The woman was bleeding for a long time. But she heard that Jesus was passing by. Oh, oh, oh. She got up enough strength to start walking in the direction of Jesus, still bleeding. She decided to get on her knees. 
and say, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. The woman pushed her way, clawed her way, crawled her way, and touched the hem of everybody in the church. <laughs> that is not what that said. Now, as soon as you get over all that emotion, that is not, first of all, she's been bleeding for 12 years. She's too weak for this entire story you just said. And I think what happens is, sometimes the Bible is so simple, we feel like it needs our help. Scripture doesn't need our color commentary. It's good all by itself. So let's tell you what happened. Jesus was walking to Jairus' house. The woman had an issue of blood. She's too weak. She has no money. She believes and has faith that if I can just get to this man's shawl with the tassels and touch it, I'll be made whole. And she comes through the crowd at the pace that she has. And Jesus never outruns her. And she does like this. That was it. She didn't grab it. She didn't grab his leg. I won't let you go until you bless me. N nothing. <laughs> None of that happened. Here's what happened. And I know it's anticlimactic and it's not as dun 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 dun. But she just did that. And you know what happened when she did that? The bleeding stopped. It's amazing how hard we've made it sound to get Jesus' attention. You need to press into his presence. Come on, press into the kingdom. How about you just walk into it? How about instead of trying to grab and reach and claw and chase, you just touch him? Because if you touch him, you'll get his attention. Jesus is packed around with all these people, crowding him. He's going to Jairus' house, and then the woman touches his garment, and then he turns around. Who touched me? He stops the whole procession to Jairus' house. Can you imagine Jairus at this time? Jairus is like, come on, come on, come on. And then he stops. Who touched me? And Jairus is like, who? Is there, do you have a system by which... We can take numbers, because I'm sure I'm the one called you first. <laughs> Sir, are you talking about somebody touched you? And his disciples were like, Sir, all these people are pressing up against you. How can you ask a question like, who touched me? Because a touch is different than a press. A touch is intentional. It's deliberate. And he turns around and says, no, 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 there's something different. All of y'all are around me, but you aren't trying to touch me. You're in proximity, but, but you're, you didn't want my person. She and, he, and he stands there. I'm going to wait. And this woman comes out of nowhere, emerges from this crowd trembling and goes, it, it, it was me. I'm, 
it was me. And he goes, daughter, uh, be it made well to you. Peace be to you. Your faith has made you whole. By this time, he overhears a comment coming from Jairus' house to Jairus saying that, hey, uh, your daughter died, so don't, don't bother the master anymore. And, and here's Jesus' response. Hey, don't worry about what they just said. Just have faith. Like, I'm still coming to your house. <laughs> what do you, you think that I only have, like, one thing to do today? Like, that's it? Like, you know, she didn't rob your moment. I'm just at a pace where I can get to you and get to her. It's not either or with Jesus. It's both and. See, there's a a pace of grace that God wants us to walk at that that we can get everything done without feeling like we have to choose this one or that one. Jesus goes to the house, and when he arrives at the house, an interesting scene unfolds. There are a bunch of these people causing a commotion, wailing. Back in those days, uh, uh, they actually used to have what they called professional mourners. You would actually pay people to show up and cry as loud as they could at your funeral. (laughs) Who is it? Oh, her name's Barbara. Oh, Barbara! (laughs) Why, Barbara, why? Now, here's how you know they're professional mourners. Because Jesus makes a comment that turns their emotion way too quickly. He goes, why are you all crying? She's not dead. She's just asleep. And these same people that were just wailing, <laughs> why, Barbara? E- immediately start laughing. Now, these are some sick people. <laughs> like, you should not be able to turn an emotion that quick. Jesus kicks them all out. Why don't you all leave? Mom, Dad, you come with me. Peter, James, John, you come as well. He goes into the room with the little girl, sits down, grabs her hand, and says, Talitha Kum which means, little girl, get up. And she does. She rises up, and I'm I'm sure the parents are freaking out, and he looks around and goes, y'all get her something to eat. The end. See, a lot of times we look at uh, uh, the the, the stories, the, the real life occurrences of Jesus in Scripture, and if we're not careful, we turn it into the adventures of Jesus, the superhero. Right? And, and, we, and we make him a, 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 a superhero character that we have to figure out, does he belong in Marvel Universe or the DC Universe or both? Because he does have the whole world in his hands. Like, which, it doesn't, did he create the universes? He's in both of them. It doesn't matter. Right? He's, he's not a superhero. He's a man, a spirit-filled man, fully God but fully man who did real stuff at a sustainable pace. And it wasn't called the adventures in Jesus. It was called in a day in the life of Jesus. This happened in the, the, the normal occurrence of his life at a pace that was sustainable. Now let's take some things into consideration. If Jesus would have matched Jairus's urgency and ran to Jairus's heart, heart, what would, house, what would have happened to the daughter? I mean, the, the, the woman with the issue of blood. She would have bled out. She would have missed her moment, right? I, 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 I know you want to touch me. Ooh, I got to go that way. I'll be back. If you're here in five more minutes, let me just go to Jairus' house right now, and I'll come back. It's, it's not either or. It's both and with Jesus at a pace that is sustainable. Three points. Write these down. Point number one, 
you can come up to Jesus. You can come up to Jesus. Jairus did. We can. He comes up to Jesus. Jesus makes himself available. Jesus makes himself accessible. You get to come up to Jesus. He invites you into that relationship himself when he says, come unto me, all of you who are burdened and heavy laden. I want to be the one to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, uh, upon yourselves and learn of me for I am meek and lonely at heart and you will find rest for your souls. My burden is really easy and my yoke is really light. You can come to me. Jesus makes himself available and accessible for every single one of us to come to him. Point number two, write this down. You can catch up to Jesus. (laughs) You can come up to Jesus, but you can also catch up. To Jesus. Now, why do I make this distinction? Why does scripture make this distinction? Because Jairus is a man of means. He is a man of influence in the city uh, that he has uh, 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 leadership in, in the synagogue. And so Jairus feels like he has something in common with Jesus. He might not feel like he's on the same level. Obviously, he's not. But, but he does come to him and, 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 and with an with a air of of uh, solidarity in that we kind of do the same thing. You're a rabbi, I teach in the synagogue, I get to open it up every single day. And so we have something in common. I feel like I have enough uh, uh, boldness and, and enough camaraderie to come up to you. But not this woman. This woman who's had an issue of blood for 12 years does not feel that she can come up to Jesus. According to Jewish law, she's not supposed to come up to Jesus. According to Jewish law, her step of faith was so audacious that she should have been stoned for it. She didn't feel like she could come up to Jesus, but she was bold enough to catch up to him. I gave my life to Jesus Christ January 14th of 1996. I got molested when I was eight years old. At the age of 12, I was exposed to pornography. So at 19, I was a full-blown porn addict. At 20 years old, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you right now, I didn't feel like Jairus. I felt like the woman. I didn't have a literal issue. But figuratively, I had a lot of issues flowing through me. And I remember as the Holy Spirit was convicting me of my sins and, 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 and drawing me to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and that he's Lord and that God raised him from the dead and that I needed a relationship with him. I remember thinking to myself, no, I got too much stuff I need to do before I can give my life. I can't, I don't, I can't come up to Jesus like this. Not with all this stuff. I got to go clean out my house and I got to go throw some stuff away and and I got to sever some relational ties before I can come up to Jesus. And and it was like the Holy Spirit was like, no, brother, you won't do any of that until you get with Jesus. So if you don't feel like you can come up to him, no problem. He's at such a sustainable pace, you can catch up to him. 
you think you can't come up in front of him, come up behind him. Touch him and experience wholeness and freedom. Point number three, write this down. Number one is you can come up to him. Number two is that you can catch up to him. Number three is that you can count on Jesus. You can count on Jesus. He is not leaving you high and dry. He is not ignoring your request. Most people that are frustrated in their relationship with Christ, if they're very honest, what they're really frustrated with is his pace. Most people that get frustrated with God, turn their backs on God, are really frustrated with his pace. You talk to him and you'll find out soon enough that the real issue is he didn't answer my prayer when I needed him to. There's something that I've asked him for and he hasn't done it for me yet. What we're really frustrated with is why is this guy so slow? Well, if you read scripture, you'll find out that the first messianic prophecy given with promise was Genesis 3.15, where it says the seed of the woman referring prophetically to Mary, will bruise the head of the serpent and he will bruise his heel. This is a messianic prophecy about Jesus given in Genesis 3.15. It's 4,000 years before Christ is even born. And God is giving us a glimpse into what he's going to do to resolve the issue of broken humanity in Genesis chapter number three. That's a long time. That's a lot of babies. That's a lot of people in between the prophetic word and the actual fulfilling of that prophecy. How many of us are frustrated right now with something that the Lord spoke to you and it hasn't happened yet? And how does that make you feel on the inside? Are you ready? Are, Are you willing to slow down to his pace or are you ready to give up? and speed up to try to make it happen for yourself. Two years ago, um, well, before I tell you about what happened two years ago, uh, last week I had the opportunity to go to Washington, D.C. with a group of pastors uh, and uh, tour the Bible Museum that opened uh, in, the, I think, November of last year. Since November of last year to date, there's already been 300,000 people that have toured the Bible Museum. It's one of the most fascinating places you'll ever visit. The next day, uh, last Thursday, we were able to go to um, uh, the African American Museum, which was an unbelievable experience as well. In between uh, the first and second day, they asked me if I would uh, do a devotional on the steps of the, of the Lincoln Memorial. And so I had the Washington Monument to my back, and I had the Lincoln Memorial to my front. And I had 40 pastors in front of me, and I led a devotion on unity in the body of Christ. It was an incredible experience that I was so happy to have. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of a prophetic word that my wife and I received two years ago. And two years ago, we were at a a speaking engagement in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And somebody gave us a prophetic word that 
that God's going to open up a door for you to go back and forth to Washington, D.C., and that you would have influence with government officials and you would have influence with leaders in Washington. Here's what I did with that word. Thank you so much. I receive it. Here's what I didn't do. We're going to Washington. <laughs> Listen, I know three or four people that live in the Washington area. Get on the phone with them because God's telling me to go to Washington. So we got to start preparing ourselves for D.C. I mean, I'm going to be talking to government officials and leaders, probably the president. I'm probably going to have, so six degrees of separation. Don't we know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that kind of knows somebody that knows? The, I, I mean, we should get it. Don't we know somebody that's a congressman that probably could talk to this person to talk to that person so we can go in there? No, I didn't have to make it happen. The same God that gave me the word is the same God that will fulfill the word. And he doesn't need me to speed up to bring it to pass. He just needs me to walk in obedience to what he's told me to do right now. Now, let me tell you what happens 24 months after this prophetic word. Some millionaires named the Greens that own Hobby Lobby and the Mardell bookstores pay for 40 pastors to go to D.C. And randomly, they choose me to do a devotional, at which time God goes, remember what I told you two years ago? That's how he fulfills his word. So let me give you this statement, and you should write this down. Put it in first person. God doesn't need my help. He doesn't. God doesn't need my help. But he does need my obedience. An amazing thing is said about Christ. He says it about himself. I only do what my father tells me to do. I only go where my father tells me to go. And I only say what my father tells me to say. If we made a commitment to do, to do those three things, I can guarantee you two things. If you do those three things. You'll never have to run. And everything he told you will come to pass. God's not going to put you in a position where you have to choose either or when he's already ordained for you to have both and. Don't try to run in between them. Walk and allow him to fulfill both things on both sides without you changing your stride. Jesus walks. And so should you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.